The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's Thursday, March 9th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Thursday. It is going to be a very busy weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. Tomorrow, we have a very fun Bellator 293 card. Kickoff of the Lightweight Grand Prix. We have Usman Armagomedov versus Benson Henderson in the main event for the lightweight title. Alexander Shabley versus Tofik Masayev is the other lightweight Grand Prix matchup, which is probably the fight that is flying under the radar for this weekend. No one really talking about it, but that fight friggin' rules. And then on Saturday, the UFC is back in Las Vegas. No, they're not at the Apex. We know why they're not at the Apex, but they're at the Virgin Hotels. Be a, a small little crowd, but a crowd nonetheless for UFC Las Vegas. And the main event for that one is a big one at 135 pounds between Piotr Jan looking to get back on track. He takes on Marab Dewalishvili. A little bit of heat on this one. The rivalry, the storyline between Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling sort of continues, this time through Sterling's Good buddy and longtime training partner, Rob Walsh Willie. It's a good fight. It's a good fight. So we could talk about that. We could talk about the leftovers, the leftover conversation from UFC 285. A lot going on still from that card. A lot of conversation still from that card. A lot of debate. 
a lot of which has to do with rankings and pound for pound discussion and all of that noise. And I'm happy to discuss all of that with all of you. And before we get to the calls, yesterday was a weird day, my friends. It was a weird day. It was a emotional panicky day because it, it was a day that started off like, like any other beautiful day here in South Carolina, woke up, went to the gym, got a good workout, came back, did some stuff around the house and checked out something my wife put together at her school, which was a really cool event. And then came back home, relaxed for a minute, picked my kid up from school and he wanted to go play golf. So I took him to go play golf and he's getting better and better. And we finished the nine holes and head on home and I'm getting ready to hop in the shower. And I realize that I don't have my wallet and I am freaking. So the first thing I think of is, oh, I probably just took it out of my pocket and left it somewhere. Nope. Couldn't find the goddamn thing anywhere. So go back to the golf course, find the guy that took our carts. And I said, I left my wallet behind. He goes, oh, we didn't see anything. And we go and we search through all the carts and we don't find it. And I'm like, shit. And I'm starting to freak out. So I go back home, looking under my cars, seats, everything. Can't find it anywhere. And then I make the decision to go back to the golf course. And at this point, clubhouse is closed. Cart shed is closed. The only thing open is the restaurant. So the woman that's working in the restaurant, I believe, is the GM of the facility. I tell her I lose my wallet and nobody turns it in. We look through the clubhouse, nothing there go back to the cart shed and I look through every single cart and I still can't find it. And she's feeling awful for me. I'm feeling awful for myself. And then I was just like, you know what? This cart looks weird to me. So I'm just going to go and sit in that one. And I look and I reach through and just sitting in the back, standing up against the tray wall is my wallet. And I was like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Thank God. So a day that could have been completely disastrous became a day of joy and I was very happy. My wife was very happy because she would have been very mad at me if I had left my wallet behind, but we found it and big shout out to that woman who in the middle of the night in the darkness opened up that shed and we ended up finding my wallet and she was very excited for me. And then before we played golf, she actually gave my son uh, some chocolate chip cookies because she was very excited that the youth of America was out playing golf. So uh, big shout out to that lovely woman who saved the day and now let's go to you guys so i just want to get that off my chest nice story very grateful very happy uh you guys are my friends so i figured i could share this stuff with you tristan good morning hey mike how's everything wonderful and can you hear me yes all right good 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 um i have two questions here my first question i was reading uh tabitha ricci and then this also goes to Vanessa Demopoulos. I think uh, before UFC 285, I think she said, um, you know, this year's goal was, or last year's goal was to um, break into the rankings, which she did. I think she's number 15th in the UFC official strawweight rankings. But then she was saying, yeah, we're about to enter the Tabitha Ricci, uh, the, the Tab- Tabitha Ricci era, where I'm going to fight everybody. I'm going to finish them. And then I'm just like, I don't know about that. And Vanessa Dablow, she she said she wants to return back to her wild side and and get into the rankings and make some noise in the strawway. So specifically, those two, 
You feel like that? Like I, I, I understand it. I think you know because the story division is not that deep anyway. So you think they could really make some noise? Because I don't. I, I'm like, yeah, you guys are good, but I don't think you guys are like contending for title, strawway titles or anything. You know, so I want your thought on that. And then my second thought is, and my second question is. Um, is there a fighter that is on a losing streak that if they lose one more time, they may be on their way out of the UFC, but for some weird reason, you still believe in them? Like, you still believe in their skill set that they could probably do something, not win a title, but actually stay in the UFC, that you're saying to yourself, man, I still think they're good, though. Like, I think for me, she's fighting March 25th, and I don't think anybody knows her, I guess – only the hardcore, and she just got into the UFC. But I, I still believe in Liang Na, and like, and I know she she got destroyed in her first two fights. But I mean, the first ones, I think she fought Ariana Carosi. I think if, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right, but like, I saw the dominant grappling and wrestling, what she can do, and I'm like, yo, she's pretty, she's still good, she's pretty good. But then you know she lost, and then she got wrecked in her last fight against Gomez, and I'm like, ah oh, man. But from I have a weird. I guess I have a soft spot for her. Like, I think she could be something. Not to win a title or anything. And, she, and it's the weird thing on that March 25th card, she's fighting at flyweight. She's moving up, which is weird. So, do you have anybody like that? I, I would think it would be Randy, Randy Costa for you. Because I think I still believe he's going to get back to the UFC. So, just those are my uh, my questions for you, Mike. Thanks for everything. Man, that's a that's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know. Cost is probably one of those guys, but I don't know. He it's it's just one of those things like there are certain fighters who just kind of get into the UFC too quickly. And Randy was probably one of them. I think he was three and oh, maybe four and oh when he got into the UFC and he had a tough fight right away. Uh he's exciting to watch, but there wasn't like a lot to his game. It was just he's just gonna go out and go bananas in the first round and if you can weather that storm, then you can beat him. And that's kind of what happened to him. Uh, doesn't seem like, I, I don't know. I believe if you follow him on social media, it looks like Randy's just chilling in Mexico right now and, you know, getting in shape and working out and just experiencing this wonderful thing called life. So good on him. And we'll see if and when he gets back in there. I think he'll get back eventually. But I have to think pretty deep on on some of these guys. I mean, the, the two guys that come to mind right now are ranked pretty high, so they're probably not in the same discussion. But uh, I'm still a believer in Rob Font, still a believer, believer in Calvin Cater. Um, maybe that's the New England bias, but those are like the two guys that come to mind for me. But I have to think a little bit deeper. As far as Demopolis and, and Ricci go, look, Ricci's, Ricci's look pretty good. She's looked pretty good. The Oliveira win, the the Viana win, you know, were nice wins, but she hasn't had a finish in the UFC, and then she went out and just bolted Jessica Penne. Like, I thought from, like, a betting perspective, if there was a parlay piece to be had, I would actually pick Tabitha Ricci over Bo Nickel, which sounds crazy because Bo's making his debut. He's, like, a minus 2,000 favorite. You felt like he was going to win, but you never know what's going to happen. But Ricci just seemed, I think she's, like, a minus 300 just seemed like there's so much value there because Penny's just a terrible defensive wrestler and her just going out there and and just submitting her and putting her away like that, really impressive. 
really impressive stuff. So I think she's sort of getting over the hump. And you're supposed to have confidence. What are you supposed to say? Well, my my mission in the UFC is to be like the 13th ranked fighter in the world. No, you got to have a little confidence beside yourself. Vanessa Mopoulos is like a firecracker. So she's always going to have that confidence in herself. She's got a nice little opportunity on May 20th fighting the biggest name she's ever fought, fighting Karolina Kovalkiewicz, former title challenger. And I feel like stylistically, that's an interesting fight. That's an interesting fight. She wins that one. That's four fights in a row. She probably gets ranked. But we also have to look at it from this perspective. Strawweight is still a fun division, but it is not very deep anymore. It is not the deep division like it once was. The women's flyweight division is way deeper right now than the strawweight division. But look, Vanessa's in her prime right now. She's, she's winning fights. She's pretty popular. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I like the gusto from both of them. Let's go to Toke. Toke, in your picture, are you playing poker? Yes. Okay, I was I gonna am. say you, you look like you're you're uh, I look the, very uh, serious, don't I? <laughs> you look very serious. You look like you're you look like the World Series of Poker broadcast where ah Toke <laughs> Jensen is in a hand right now, he's got all his chips in the middle, and you're in a and you're in a coin flip flop for your tournament life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a bit of a poker player and a gambler. So so yeah, that is uh, what I was doing there. Um, so what I want to do is firstly, it was weird last time to get called out by another caller for an opinion I didn't have. Uh, I'm just going to say that and just uh, move on to what I actually want to talk about. Uh, and I'll keep it more simple. So this is actually my opinion and actually a question. So what I will say is I want to play dominoes with you, okay? Um, and what I want to play is the game where Mirab wins this weekend. If that happens, right, is this um, a title fight between Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo the last title defense of Aljamain Sterling? Because uh, even if he wins that, I mean, because he wants to move to 145, make room for Mirab, and then... So now the dominoes have fallen, right? We have uh, Aljamain leaving for 145. We have Mirab who just beat Peter Jan in this scenario. What is the title fight at 135? Is it Mirab versus Sean O'Malley, maybe? What are we talking? I'm just uh, wondering that. So uh, thank you, Mike, and uh, happy that you found your wallet, mate. Yeah, geez, that was, uh, that was tough. Um... I would say 60-40 chance that Alger moves up. That O'Malley fight is still out there for him, and I think he's kind of crazy for not taking it because stylistically that is an incredible matchup for Aljamain Sterling and it is the biggest fight for him in this division, and that includes Henry Cejudo. Now, it looks like Sterling Cejudo will headline this 288 card. I know the UFC didn't officially announce it, but... Everybody that I've talked to on both sides are like, I don't understand the trepidation. It's happening. So just get ready for it. And there's, obviously there's back and forth on social media between Sterling and, and O'Malley and Cejudo and O'Malley. But that fight, from all accounts, is going to happen and probably headline that card in New Jersey, which would be a very big deal for Aljamain Sterling. Close to home, never doesn't want to fight New York. 
New Jersey's a little bit more lax when it comes to medical stuff. So this is like the best of both worlds. And Newark is not that far from New York City. It's like a 30-minute drive. So it's in a good spot. I still feel like O'Malley being there, I don't know if he just jumps right up when he can try to get that bag. But maybe this will this weight cut will just be the last one for him and he just wants to, a new challenge and make way for Marab. The problem is... I don't think Marab's going to get the title shot if he wins on Saturday, unless he just rolls Piotr Jan. And I just don't see that happening. If he just runs Piotr Jan over and stops him inside of like three rounds, then yeah, that, that might do it. But to me, I feel like the Cheeto Sanhagen winner is going to jump over him. I really do. I, if, to me, it feels like the UFC is – is pumping the brakes on Marab moving up the ladder. Now, look, they got a big fight here. He gets an opportunity to fight Piotr Jan. I think stylistically this fight favors Piotr Jan in a lot of ways, but you never know. Again, this is why we, we have the fights. So if Marab wins a Marab-type decision, I don't think he gets the title fight. I don't think he gets the title fight. The, the, the way the UFC is looking at this right now, and I'm sure this is a discussion they're having, Aljamain wins and moves up or is planning on moving up. The UFC is, they're not going to actively root for this, but this is what their hope would be. It would be Cheeto Vera beats Corey Sanhagen later this month. Aljo beats Cejudo, moves up to 45, vacates the title. And then we get the long awaited rematch that everybody wants to see. Sean O'Malley, Cheeto Vera for the title. That, to me, is the best-case scenario for the UFC. Not, I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes. That is a gigantic fight. Everybody has been wanting that fight since, it, since the first one happened. And now, it doesn't get any bigger than that. Title on the line. New champion to be crowned. O'Malley's on this new deal. Cheeto's probably going to get a new deal. He's on a roll. Everybody wants to see Cheeto get a title shot. I felt like he should have fought for the belt already. But... That's just the guy he is. Give him one more and he'll go then he'll go fight for the belt. But I feel like Marab is still kind of the odd man out of this equation. And Marab would probably have to fight Sudo next, if we're being honest. It's gonna be a long it's it's gonna be a longer road for Marab. I think he's gonna have to win at least one more after this, if not two. Cause that Al that Aldo win did not will not age well. It's just not going to age well. But who knows? Maybe he'll just absolutely run over Piotr Jan. I just don't see that happening. Uh, let's go to double A. Double A, hello. Good. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Before he takes on a rank guy, I want to know your thoughts on that. And, um, oh, shit, I did have another question. <laughs> oh, I hate when this happens. It's all right. We'll um, be back tomorrow. You can save for tomorrow if you want. No, um, what are your thoughts on the Sun South Light? Everyone have a good day. Have a heck of a morning. Peace. Um, he's fighting Davy Grant. Let me see what the betting odds are on that. I thought Asunso had so much value heading into that Victor Henry fight. I assume he's going to be an underdog in this fight. He is. Ah, not not that big of a dog. I thought it'd be higher. Davy Grant minus one forty, Asunso plus one fifteen. I don't think there's a ton of betting value on Rafael Asunso right now. If that number was a little bit higher, plus one fifty, plus one sixty, yeah, I'd probably jump all over that, but. It's an interesting fight. It's an interesting fight. I would say Grant has the advantages on the feet, mostly because of the power and his ability to change momentum with one shot. And Asunsa was just a very smart, well-rounded guy who's probably going to want to take this fight to the ground. So it's a good fight. It's a good fight. I'm torn. I would slightly lean Davy Grant just because of the damage factor. But I was really impressed with how Asunso fought against Victor Henry. He looked really good in that fight. And him going to Extreme Couture and making the changes that he needed to make, the guy's still real good. Everyone just kind of forgot about him. So I'm not sure who I'm going to pick. Like I'm le- leaning Davy just because of the, the damage factor, but it would not shock me at all if Asunso grinded out a decision and got this fight to the ground. As far as Cejudo's talks about Bonicle, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I think six is probably a little extreme, but this is why I, I've been saying this from Jump Street. The picket fight was right, but 
it's not enough for me to jump. A lot of people were like, oh, just chuck him in there with like a top 20 guy next. I wasn't part of that. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Slowly build him up. There's, there's no rush. He's going to get there. He's going to get there. Let's give him some reps. He's still green. And you saw it in the picket fight. He's very, very green. Had a hard time getting that takedown. Uh, Jamie Pickett's a decent defensive wrestler, but not a great defensive wrestler. And he had a struggle for that. And that knee kind of changed everything. Uh, not saying he was cheating or anything like that, but it didn't get called. Fight happened the way it did. And Bo's just a, a monster. But there's no need to rush him. There's no need to rush him. The UFC's goal with Bo Nickel is to keep him undefeated. He's, he's their Bill Goldberg right now. Just give him wins. Let him get a little more, a little more experience, better wins, better competition. But we don't need to go crazy with him. I know when he won on the Contender Series, I mean, his wrestling pedigree, we love having the fantasy matchmaking. Oh, if he fought Alex Pereira right now, he would probably win. Would he? Would he right now? I don't know. So there's no need to have these conversations. He's, three, he's freaking 3-0, 4-0 right now. Let him, let him cook a little bit. Let him cook. Give him a, a step up. I picked Puna Soriano next. Puna is a bit of a name. He's on a bit of a schneid. People know who Puna is, and Puna's going to try to be the hammer in that fight, which is the, exactly the kind of thing that Bo Nickel needs. And I think Bo would win that fight. And I think it's, a, it's the type of stylistic matchup that could make Bo look really, really impressive. He can get a, like a big finish in that fight, and Puna's going to go right after him. So I like that one. Puna's probably like a top 45, 50-ish guy right now in that division, maybe a little higher. But that's – I wouldn't go any higher than that right now. Six might be a little excessive, but I get where Henry's coming from. It's not often on the show where I say that I agree with, with Henry Cejudo or even slightly agree with Henry Cejudo. But in this case, I slightly agree with him. Six is probably a little over excessive, but I completely understand where he's coming from. Let's go to CV. Oh, can you hear me? Yep, gotcha. What's up? Hey, man. Uh, I'm glad you found your wallet. Uh, oh, are you a front, are, yeah, are you a front pocket or a back pocket guy? I'm a back pocket guy, but when I golf, I don't like to have it in my pocket, so I usually throw it in the tray. <laughs> the issue was, um, the, the issue is, at this course, they, they have a guy who waits at the end, and he's like, I'll jump on the cart, and I'll put your bags in the car. And I hate that, because that's my worries. I'm going to forget something. So, because I like to go through the tray myself. But as soon as I got out, he put the bags in the car and he jumped right in the front seat. And I'm like, did I forget anything? He goes, oh, you forgot your phone. And he handed me my phone. And I'm like, that's it? He goes, yep. But it was leaning up against the tray so nobody could see it. So I, I from now on, I'm be like, nah, dude, I got it. That was my mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should bring like a fanny pack or something next time yeah. you golf. Or, yeah. But uh, yeah, I kind of want to look forward to uh, next week's pay-per-view. Um, just a quick question. Um, what are the stakes for the Gaethje uh, physique fight? Thanks. It's a pretty good – that's a good question. I mean, I would say – let me see. What the, I, I want to look at the betting line for that. I'm, I'm very interested. Uh, where are we? Where are we? Justin Gaethje, Fizzy minus two fifty. Justin Gaethje comes back plus one ninety. 
Boy, it seems uh, seems pretty wide, doesn't it? I would say Gaethje has more to lose and Fazeev has more to gain. Uh, Gaethje just needs a win to get back on track at this point. Gaethje's still a popular name. I get that. And even if he loses this fight, like I don't think he's like out of the title picture forever. But boy, is his road a lot longer. And Fazeev can win... If Fazeev wins, he's like right there. He's right there. He's probably a win away from fighting for the belt. I don't know if Gaethje's in that same spot. And if Fazeev loses, yeah, it sucks to lose, but it's not going to knock him out of contention. He'll he'll just get another win or two. He's right back in there. So people like Fazeev. He's exciting. Gaethje's a huge name. This is a big opportunity for him. I would say, yeah, to me, Fazeev has much more to gain in this fight. Some to lose, but not as much as Gaethje. I think Gaethje has more to lose. I don't know if this is like must win for Justin Gaethje, but if he ever wants to fight for the belt again, then it probably is a must win because the matchups are just not going to get any easier for him. Gaethje loses his fight. It's not like he's going to fight Dustin Poirier next. He's going to have to fight like Armand Sarukian next or Gamrod or Jalen Turner or Grant Dawson. Like, that's in his future if he loses this fight. And that is not a good place to be right now. Let's go to Henry. Doing good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, I've got two questions for you today. Uh, I tuned in pretty late, so I'm not sure if someone's asked about it already, but just about Marab's uh, media day yesterday and the narrative that he's pushing about the Russia versus Georgia thing and just. I feel personally that that could kind of turn a lot of people off of Marab. Just you already said that he's probably not going to get the title shot, but now I feel like the fan base is kind of turning on him from what I've seen. I don't know if someone's asked you about this already, but it's obviously a hot topic. Uh, I don't know whether he's taken like PR advice from Aljo or whatever, but it's personally I don't think it's a good look. But I'm not from there, so I don't understand. And also for 286 next weekend. Um, what would you say the sleeper fight is? Because I kind of feel like it's a bit like Australia and that it's a bit of a two-fight card, really. Obviously, you have the uh, middleweighty, mid- uh, middleweight final boss, uh, Marvin Vittori against the Leeds A. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering if there was any other sleeper fights that you're looking forward to on that card. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. So I, I, I have to admit, I didn't watch Marab's media scrum. I've, I've seen people tweet about it and, and such, but... I mean, look, at the end of the day, like, I don't know if this is more of a, like, political statement for him or if this is just the chip he needs on his shoulder for the biggest fight of his life. And if that's the chip he needs, at the end of the day, all that matters is winning. All that matters is winning fights. Uh, People kind of turned on Marab after the Aldo fight anyways, and I don't think he really cares about that. I don't think he's taking PR advice from Aljo or anything like that. I think that's just... Marab just kind of marches to the beat of his own drum. That's all. That's how he's always been. So, I don't know. I without like asking him about it, it just seems to me like I'm sure he means it, but I'm sure part of it is just like just an extra motivating factor for him. However, you need to find it. And I remember having conversations with Calvin Cater, and he always told me that like how much how important it is for him to find a chip on his shoulder. Like if he fights a really respectful guy who doesn't talk a lot of crap about him, 
he just finds ways to find that chip on his shoulder. And maybe that's what Marab is doing. So without me asking him about it, I don't really know. As far as sleeper fights for UFC 286, there's a couple. Uh, to me, I mean, this, and it's just because I've been so high on her uh, even before in the UFC. If you go back and watch old preview shows and, and things of that nature, right before she made her debut, I put her over big, and now she's back. To me, it's probably the return of Casey O'Neill against Jennifer Maya. Like, nobody's talking about that. Nobody. It's kind of a random card to have her on, if we're being honest. But she's on it, and she hasn't fought in a minute. And with the flyweight division in the position it's in right now, that is a very interesting fight. That is a very interesting fight. It is a much more interesting fight than the flyweight fight that's on the main card between... Joanne Wood and Luana Carolina. I also like the Jai Herbert, Ladovic Klein fight. Those two are just going to beat the hell out of each other. That's going to be fun. And I'm, and I'm excited to see the, uh, the UFC debut of, of Christian Leroy Duncan. I'm excited to see that. Fighting Omar Morales now, I believe. Or no. CLD is fighting Dusk. Where the, these, this site is jacked let me just check this real quick that's what i'm looking for okay uh where is it yeah okay there the, uh, okay i was right christian leroy duncan fighting dusko todorovic i have a very high on christian leroy duncan and then chris duncan uh fighting omar morales that's gonna be a fun fight too there's there's some uh juliana miller's fighting there's a lot that's kind of flying under the radar here but this is just this is one of those cards where it's just like it's almost impossible to try to follow UFC 285 because of everything that happened and all the storylines and the storylines that came out of UFC 285 are still lingering on a Thursday after a pay per view which doesn't happen that often and something tells me that they're going to continue on into like early next week as well so kind of a tough spot to be in but I think this is one of those cards where. Once everybody gets to London and the fans get all into it, and we get closer to it. We see Leon and Camaro. We see Gaethje and Fazeev. I mean, those two fights just friggin' rule. Vittori Delizze is a great fight. The rest is just, you could find things to like. Like, Jake Hadley, Malcolm Gordon is going to be fun. There's a lot of fun fights on here. Muhammad Makayev's back. There's, there's, there's a lot to like here. Um, but you kind of have to... Do your homework a little bit on some of this stuff. But this is going to be a fun card. This is going to be a fun watch. It is not of the, the level of UFC 285 in terms of casual appeal and star power. But as far as like competitive matchups and fun things, this is good. Jack Shore going up to 145, fighting Makwan. You know the first three minutes of that fight are going to be super fun. And then Makwan's probably going to get tired and Jack Shore's probably going to submit him. It's the Mach 1 Amir Khani story, but those first three minutes are going to be incredible. Uh, let's go to Max. Hey, Max. Yo, Mike. How's it hanging? Good. Beautiful. Um, I just like to ask about the upcoming card uh, uh, under an under the radar fight on the Yan Devalishvili card. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, Alexander Romanov. Uh, you know, people were pretty high on Mr. Romanov. And then, uh, of course, you know, 
he ran into everyone's favorite fighter, Marcin Tibera. (laughs) 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 Thought you might like that. Uh, Yeah, so anyways, he lost a boring decision, and that was unfortunate. So now he's fighting Swolkov, Alexander Volkov, and I'm kind of curious about your opinion. Do you think he can rise to the occasion? Or uh, oddly, was that his, you know, maybe not ceiling, but is that that the best we're going to see from him? Maybe one and a half good rounds and then... Just can't 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 get the big one done, or can't uh, can't get over that hump, so to speak. What 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 do you what do you feel about this? And then um, just a quick one after that. How do you feel about the debut of uh, Cedric Dumas? Thank you very much. Take care, brother. Uh, Cedric Dumas is gonna be is a fun fighter. He's gonna be. He's got a good fit. He's got. I like um, I like Josh Fremt a lot, but I feel like Dumas is just such a superior athlete. That he will win this fight. Josh is tough, man. Like, I like Josh. Nice guy. Good, solid hand. But I think Dumas just brings a little bit more chaos, a little bit more athleticism to the table. So I think Dumas will probably win that fight. Romanov is just... I don't know, man. I just... I can't put my finger on this guy. I don't know if I've, like, given up on him. Because, like, I mean, I was super high on this guy. You listen to like any show that I've done uh, prior to that Tybora fight. I was, I was. This guy's fighting for a title. He might even win the belt. I just don't. I. Ha, it's so hard to pinpoint it because if he can't figure out this cardio thing, he's not going to win a lot of fights against high level guys. He's just not going to. And Tybora was like, I mean, he, he destroyed Tybora. I will say this though, because I went and rewatched that fight a couple of days ago. How that first round is not a clear 10-8 for Alexander Romanov is just unbelievable to me. How could you, how could you score two and three for Tybora the same exact way you scored round one for Romanov? It makes no sense. That should have been a draw. That absolutely should have been a draw. That was about as 10-8 as you can get. Romanov just tackled and killed this man. I think he outstruck him like 65-1. to one. Like, how is that not a 10-8 round? He had, like, four minutes and 30 seconds of top control. Like, Tybora did nothing. He literally did nothing. I think he laid one strike. How is that not a 10-8? It's crazy to me. That should have been a draw. But, obviously, very, very concerning if you're a Romana fan. Now, if you want to play the, well, it was in Salt Lake, and he was at altitude, and he wore up maybe, but Romanov... Said he had no excuses, and that's it. So, I'm curious. To me, if you're betting on this fight, I ain't betting on Alexander Romanov. No friggin' way. He's a minus 150 favorite. I think there's tons of value on Alexander Volkov right now for a lot of those reasons. I think Romanov could get him to the ground and beat him up a little bit. I know Tommy Aspinall submitted him pretty quickly, but Aspinall also cracked him and stung him before that happened. So, I don't think he was all there. And Aspinall took advantage of it. And I think Aspinall is a much better up-and-comer. And his road to a belt seems much clearer than Romanov's right now. But Romanov is a beast. And if he can figure out this cardio thing, he's going to be a big problem. But that is a massive concern right now. A massive concern. But we'll see what happens. If he just goes out there and just smushes Alexander Volkov and taps him in one, my confidence... Goes up a little bit, but I need to see him. I need to see him in a second and third round keep some sort of a pace because he had 
nothing from Marcin Tybora after that first round. Absolutely nothing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, JD was waiting as well. Uh, JD, hello. JD. You're muted, JD. Hey, bud, can you hear me? Hey, yes. Awesome. Do I sound like I'm on a mountain? You sound like uh, you're on, I don't know what you sound like. You sound like you're very happy, though, and I appreciate that. Oh, I am. I am. Also, for two reasons. You know what? We'll go ahead and say three. One, glad you got your wallet back, bud. Oh, two, God. <laughs> two, uh, dude, what you were saying about the potential of the Cheeto versus Sugar Sean for the title, that is everything I need emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, <laughs> sexually, every single way. I, I, I made a, a noise that I don't know if I can duplicate. Please when don't. you said that, I, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not saying that I, I can't, I don't even know if I can do it. It was awesome. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so I think I've asked you this maybe a few months ago, but I kind of want to revisit. So on some of these bigger cards, I, I'm not sure if it's UFC or ESPN. I have a feeling it's probably ESPN likes to put people like Teddy Atlas and some of these other people that we don't see every single weekend um, on the, on, at the, uh, not, not, you know, cage side, but you know, at the table, um, or booth or whatever. I don't see a whole lot that they're really pun intended bringing to the table. Like Teddy Atlas just kind of kept saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rashad Evans and Anthony Smith were right. Yeah, they were right. Yeah. I sh- you should listen to them. Yeah. That's, that's great. And talked about Muhammad Ali. Maybe I'm just being a casual, but, you know, I kind of want to know your opinion on it. Um, anyway, man, thank you so much. Toodaloo. So I, I, I guess I understand where you're coming from. I, I like Teddy a lot. Um, I, I've gotten a chance to meet him once. Just a super nice guy. Uh, he does his, – the value is who he is and what he's accomplished as a coach and as a mind and as an analyst for the boxing world. And it's just an opportunity to try to give a a little bit of a sporting boost to the broadcast, into into the sport, into the company. So here's how I'll present this question back to you. Would you rather see Teddy Atlas on the on the desk, or would you rather see Stephen A. Smith on the desk? And I think most people are gonna choose the former. 
And I think that's probably what it's all about. Uh, you can get Stephen A. in there, who everyone just – I mean, no one wants to see Stephen A. on these broadcasts. Uh, and you have Teddy. And I'll take Teddy over Stephen A. 99 times out of 100. So I think that's a big part of it, more than anything. But I, I, I get where you're coming from, Mo. You, you hear Anthony Smith and Rashad, they, they break things down, and then Teddy comes in from more of a boxing perspective, but he's learning the sport, but he's a, he's a freaking legend, man. He's a legend, and he's a big name. People care about him, and he's, I would rather have him than Stephen A. Any freaking day of the week. Easy, easy decision for me. Uh, let's go to Emilio, and then we'll go to MMA time. We'll try to get to everybody here. Emilio, hello. What's up, Mike? Thanks for having me once again. Well, I just want to take the time that to say the following, and that is that even though I know I wasn't saying, I didn't claim that for sure Grasso was going to win, but God damn it, man. I told you. I told you all that she had more of a shot than anybody ever gave her credit for, and she delivered. Granted, it was kind of a shot in the dark, I couldn't have known. But then again, that's what predictions is all about. That's what predictions are all about. And that's what the sport is all about. And you got to love to see it. I just hope that she gets the credit that she deserves. And yeah, I mean, I think that she is getting it. But I don't want to hear this nonsense. All right. I guess it's not nonsense because it's kind of true. But I hope that people put more weight on her rising up to the challenge then oh yeah no it's valentina sliding and you know she's she's been in the sport for 20 plus years i think it's hilarious how nobody said that at all before the fight happened and then afterwards just like oh yeah there it is you know <laughs> anyways mexico what's up uh love it absolutely love it um anyways so i know that you your take on the fight was pretty bad that's okay i've had pretty bad takes myself for example what i thought was going to happen in the main event of ufc 285 um i thought that cyril was going to school john i thought he was going to kick those tiny tiny legs uh off him and uh and yeah and the ufc was going to go cry about it because you know john jones lost oh no um so i wanted to ask you in the context of uh, you know, bad takes, worse takes, and so on. What, in your opinion, has been your worst take or at, at least one of your worst takes? Because, I mean, I know that as an MMA media guy, you are slash journalist, you are, uh, you have a lot of takes, uh, whether you share them with us or not. That's, uh, you know, that's... That's, uh, you know, that, that, we, that's up to you, but uh, you share a lot of takes with us. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that, what your worst take is, or, or one of your worst takes. I would say that my take for the Jones against Zero fight was pretty freaking bad. So, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on that. And that's it. Appreciate you, Mike. Peace. Thanks, man. Uh, I mean, the Valentina takes right up there. Um... I don't know if this is a bad take, but I would say the Glover Teixeira Yuri take. Uh, I was super duper confident that Glover was just going to tackle Yuri and, and tap him in the first round, and 
boy, was I damn close from that happening, but it didn't happen. And Yuri came back and submitted Glover in the fifth round in one of the craziest fights of all time. Um, we brought up, and if you go back and watch our preview show, we brought up that exact point about Valentina being in the game for 20 years. And if there's, if there's something to look for in terms of Alexa winning this fight, perhaps, I mean, basically what we're saying was that to me, it was like, it's on downside. It's just Valentina had a bad night. And the question was if that was true or not, is that true? Or is just the mileage catching up with her? And then we ran off, I think on the post-fight show, we ran off a bunch of names that like debuted after her or like right around the same time. Like Shogun Hua debuted, like made his MMA debut like five months before Valentina Shevchenko. That's fucking insane. That is insane to even think about. And there's like a whole host of other like surprising names there. But look, I was wrong. I said it immediately. And that's it, man. Like I didn't think... I didn't think Alexa was a bad fighter. I just felt like Valentina's physicality was going to be too much for her. And Alexa was freaking ready for that, man. Her physicality was on point and impressed the hell out of me. And that was the biggest key to victory right there was that she could match that physicality or at least come close to it. It wasn't, the gap was, was certainly not as wide as I thought it was. So, but it is just so damn hard to continuously defend that title, no matter who you are. I don't care who you are. Everybody has its day, and this is a new sport, a new evolution of the sport, a new generation of the sport, where fighters who are outside of the UFC right now that are women's flyweights are taking time out of their day, out of their training schedules to watch Valentina Shevchenko fights to try to find holes in her game. And they're doing that with every – Fighters at every division is doing that with every single champion in the UFC right now. They're doing it with all of them. It is so hard to continuously defend that title over and over again. It's insane. It's insane. And we've seen, we've seen all of them. We saw Kamara lose. We saw Nunes lose. We've seen Sertenko lose. We've seen a lot of these long-running champions. The one, we saw Adesanya lose. It's just the nature of the beast. And I just felt like the gap between Valentina and everybody else is just so big. And like I said, I was wrong, and that's it. Now, it's going to be really interesting to see what's next. I believe we are – we're not there yet because I think they are going to run this one back. But we are getting very close to the to – to me, I think Erin Blanchfield is going to win the title when she gets her shot. And she could have a very long reign ahead of her. But eventually that reign's going to end too. So it's a very interesting time in this division. This is a very interesting division. It's been very interesting for a couple of years. But right now it is super interesting. We have a new champion. Valentina is going to get another crack. We got Blanchfield. We got Casey O'Neill on the come up. Lots of fighters on the come up right now. We got Manny Fioro. We got Tyler Santos. Whole bunch at 125. We get a mix of veterans and up-and-comers. 125 for the ladies is super fun right now. What a super fun division that is. But yeah, I was wrong.
Uh, MMA time. Hello. Hello, my brother. So just to start, thank you for everything that you do to the MMA community. We are small media from French, and I want to thank you for everything that you do because it's really inspirational to see all the work that you do. And um, as French, um, I have some questions for the UFC 285 main event. So do you think that Serial loss is one of the biggest humiliation for in a turtle fight. And do you think that Cyril can rebuild himself? And what do you think? Uh, who do you think uh, Cyril will fight in his next fight? Thank you. Uh, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate that. Most humiliating? I don't know. I don't know. It's tough to think about. I mean, Sean Alshadi kind of kind of put it out there when he wrote his post fight column that this had kind of reminded him, and, and I get where he's coming from, of Connor versus Aldo, where the fight was just over before it really got started, and we really didn't get to see the fight actually happen because John just tackled him and tapped him quick. So we really didn't get to see much. But one of the big questions I had heading in, we had a we all had a million of them. And one of my questions was, is Cyril ready for this moment? Because this is a John Jones fight week. And this is different than anything he's ever been a part of. The Francis fight was big. They made a big deal out of it. But it wasn't getting like a lot of the push that like the Stipe fight got or anything like that. This is John friggin' Jones. First fight in over three years. It's a John Jones show. John's going to talk a bunch of smack. It's a whole different experience. And the crowd, the hype, everything around it, was it going to be overwhelming for Cyril? And I think it was. I think he just, he seemed very cool about everything. He kind of flew under the radar. But when the lights were on him and he made that walk to the cage to fight the greatest fighter of all time, in his eyes and a lot of people's minds, he just didn't look ready. He didn't have that same demeanor. He seemed nervous. Uh, he's, he just seemed like the moment was, was just too big for him. And that's what happened. He just got tackled. Do I think he's done? No. I think Cyril Gunn is one of the most talented guys I've, in this heavyweight division. He is just a little green. He's a little green. He's got holes in his game. Got holes in his game. The takedown defense is just not good. It's really bad. It's really bad. And... John took him down effortlessly, and he did it early. It just seemed like that was John's biggest path to victory. It was right there. And John took him down right away, and that was it. One takedown, and the fight was over. Got to work on that because he's going to have a hard time beating a lot of these guys. Like if he fights Curtis Blades, that's a rough fight for him. If he fights Tommy – the pick – my pick is Tommy Aspinall. And that's a tough fight for him, too. That's a really tough fight for Cyril Gunn. You could go a different direction. And you could give him, like, a big step back against somebody who doesn't have that kind of takedown effectiveness. But that's not going to do anything for Cyril. Sure, it'll get him a win, but it's not going to help him improve upon that. That's why I like the Aspinall fight. You could do it in London. You could do it in Paris can headline a fight night card. Like, there's lots you can do with that. So I don't think he's done, but 
boy, he's he's got to fix that takedown defense. He's got to he's got to fix that defensive grappling prowess. And I just a lot of people were saying like, well, I think we're over analyzing the Francis fight. I don't think we were. I don't think we were. Sure, there's a heel hook, but Francis was on one, one leg and was able to take Cyril Gone down without a lot of effort. With one leg. So, I still think he's got some future to him. I think he's a super talented guy, but man, that is a giant hole in his game that he has to fix or he's not going to win a lot of fights at this level. Where he's at. He can't fight outside the top 15 now. He's got to fight all the heavy hitters at this point. And most of these guys can wrestle and not a good place to be. And if you can't defend that, Joe, hello. Hey, Mike, heck of a morning. Um, so I was curious, a lot of people are talking about Bo's next opponent, um, after UFC 285, but I'm, I, maybe I think too much about this, but I was concerned about card placement. I felt like if that Jamie Pickett fight happened in like the prelims or, on a fight night or something, I wouldn't have thought too much about it. But Bo, uh, for me, felt especially green um, when I was watching him in the context of an opener for a main card. And if it's the expectation that he's going to be a main card fighter going forward, I feel like you have to like ramp him up a lot quicker. I kind of agreed with Cejudo's comments. Um, even the six-fight thing sounds reasonable to me because, I, you know, it's easy to look like Hamzat Chmaev or Shavkat when you're beating contender series guys. But, um, I, I don't know. I probably would have favored like any, well, I, if, if Jake Gyllenhaal went in and was able to knee Jamie Pickett in the nuts, uh, like I would maybe not favor him to win the fight, but it just in the context of that main or that opener, it just felt so off to me. And uh, I'd like to see him kind of take a step back down, um, both in opponent and uh, in um, the position on the card. And then for this upcoming card, uh, what are your thoughts on the Said Nurmagomedov fight? I'm pretty high on the guy. Um, I think he can go pretty far in the, this like stacked bantamweight division. But um, yeah, I was just curious your thoughts on the fight. And then what are your thoughts on it? Like, uh, I feel like I probably know. Uh, but what are your thoughts on a potential fight between uh, him and Umar Nurmagomedov? I think that would be uh, that'd be a banger. Uh, all right, thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Uh, that fight's awesome. Even the suggestion. I think we're going to get there at some point. But uh, but Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Jonathan Martinez is a super fight. Great fight. Uh, Honestly, like I'm looking at the betting lines right now. They have Saeed as a minus 275 favorite. I think there's a ton of value on Jonathan Martinez at plus 210. The silence behind the violence. Jonathan's leg kicks are nasty. Uh, Saeed is a killer instinct, though. When he has you in trouble, boy, does he pounce. and He doesn't waste any time doing it. So I love that fight. I don't think it's getting talked about enough. If we're talking like low-key bangers on this card Saturday, that's probably the correct answer. That's probably the one. As far as Bo goes, look, I brought this up a lot in the build-up to this fight. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many people you wrestled in front of. I don't care how many national championships you won. It ain't the same as getting into a cage and fighting a human being 
in front of 19,000 people when the lights are on you. A lot of people didn't think that was going to be a factor. To me, I felt it was going to be a factor in some way, shape, or form. Now, I didn't think he was going to go in there and lose. I felt like his just natural abilities was going to be enough to win this fight anyways. But in the back of my mind, I felt like Bo might go out there and have a tough first round and just get his feet under him and win in the second. So maybe there's something to that, but I don't think you could just chuck Bo on a, on an apex card. You know what I mean? I think you have to throw him in that spot and, and just see how he does. And it wasn't pretty, but he went out there and he won. So from here, it ain't, it's just going to get easier for him. It's just going to get easier being on a John Jones, being on what would probably be the biggest fight card of the year or one of them, top two or three, John Jones headlining, all the buzz behind it, him doing all the media day stuff and going through all of that. I mean, that's an experience for a lot of these young guys and these up-and-comers. Like, they've never, they've never had to go through this before. And then to get locked in a cage to fight another man in front of all those people, it's a lot. I don't care who you are. So I think it was a great experience for Bo. I don't think he got the type of buzz coming out of it that he probably had hoped for and maybe the UFC had hoped for, but he threw him to the Sharks, not opponent-wise, but he threw him in a big spot right away. Let's just see how he handles himself. Yeah, he was a little green, but he came out, got a quick finish. There you go. So, I again, and I'm with you. I don't know if I would keep Cejudo. I, I don't know if I'm going the Cejudo route where he has to fight six dudes before he gets a top 10 fight, if that's what they have to do, fine. But slow, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with slow rolling. I'm, I don't think they should, he should be fighting like a top 30 guy next by any stretch. I, that's why I said, I like the Puna fight. Puna is probably like a top 50 guy. Throw him in there. Puna's tough. It's a hammer. Stylistically, he's probably going to give Bo everything he needs to look spectacular. And Poon is a little bit of a name. So you get to check off all those different boxes. All right. Let's go to Anthony. We have to go a little rapid fire here, guys. Yeah, I got to get out heck of here. Heck of a morning. I think uh, the Poon is a good pick. But if I'm not, I'm not paying 75 bucks or whatever it is to uh, watch some squash matches open up the main card, that just should have been on the prelims. Uh and uh, my my main question today is, what's your thoughts on uh, Tybora and, or I mean, uh, Romanov and uh, or what? Volkov? Yeah, uh, they got uh, even though um, Romanov like lost the fight, he still got an opponent with more notoriety and higher rankings. What do you think about that? How about more? I mean, I'm not surprised by the opponent. I just think. I don't think anybody in that division wanted to fight Romanov, to be honest with you. Like, there's the risk reward is just not there. And Volkov's not really in a spot right now where he could say no to fights. So, yeah, that's what we got. We got the hashtag Alexander versus Alexander fight. I like the matchup. I like it. And UFC clearly is is high on Romanov. I think he could be a player in this division if he can get this cardio thing squared away. If he can get that figured out, he's a wrecking ball because the skills are there. But that when when he just runs out of energy, boy, it's tough. 
It's a tough hang. We saw it in the Tybora fight, so. I'm interested to see this one. Let's see if he can bounce back. A win over Alexander Volkov would be very, very impressive coming off that loss to Marcin Tybora. Uh, let's go to Corey MMA Rules. Are you there? Hello? Hello. Hello. Are you, can you hear me? She was there. I don't know what happened. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Daniel. Then we'll go to James. We'll go to Viking. And I have to go. Everybody uh, try to get everybody in here. What's up, Daniel? What's up? Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. Uh, you know, I always keep it short here. I'm just curious on this uh, Span and Krylov matchup. I know most people broke it down and talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago when their fight was. But, I mean, now that it's rebooked, you know, it, it, it's third on the lineup in the main card. I feel like obviously no one's talking about it maybe because we already broke it down. But just curious what you think, like, the implications of this fight are. I mean, 205, I mean, we got Rakic, Anthony Smith. Um, we have... Magomed and um, Jan, who just fought. And then, I mean, we have Yuri at number one, who's obviously injured still. And then we have Rakic, too. I mean, like, it, it feels like a win here could possibly be number one contender fight next, or maybe they're fighting for a belt. So just curious uh, what you think the winner of this will, will get for this. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I'm Look, this division is a mess right now, so you're probably not wrong. I would say... A win for Span probably has more oomph. Probably, if Sp I think if Span goes out there and finishes Nikita Krylov, which if Brian Span wins, he's finishing Nikita Krylov. There's no doubt about it. Um, then yeah, he will get another. I think he will get a number one contender fight because what the hell else is happening right now? Krylov, I don't. I'm not as confident in. But if Span Span goes out there and just melts Nikita Krylov, then yeah, I think he's in a position where. He could be a win away from fighting for the belt, depending on where we're at, depending on when Yuri can come back. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot on the line here for Span. He gets a big jump if he wins this fight. Corey, do we have you? Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Hello. Corey, are you there? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I heard you, but I don't know. All right, so we'll go to James, we'll go to Viking, and we got to go. James, hello. Good morning to you, Mike. Um, I was a little late to on to the next one on Sunday. Obviously, this only works if um, Cub wants to stay at 135, but what do you think of a fight between Cody Garbrandt and Cub Swanson? And uh, uh I know there's a part of you that's probably felt a little bit bad for Jeb Mishu on, on Saturday, but what was more funny to you watching Jeb's facial reaction, uh, watching a Valentina lose or EKC Lydon's failed attempt at spinning the chair around at the start of the, the people's pre-fight show. Like always, man, thank you for what you do for us and have a heck of a morning. Oh, it's Casey. It's Casey's chair spin blunder by far. Jed, I just, I mean, it was just, 
it was just such an awkward moment, but it was magical. Like it really was. It was just so much emotion in that moment because Jed loses all his money. Valentina's title reign comes to an end and Alexa Grasso is the freaking champion of the world. Like just, I mean, just magical shit. It was, I, you fell for Jed, just heartbreak. And I compared it to the, the episode of the Simpsons where Lisa and like, and Ralph Wiggum are, are tight. And Ralph Wiggum thinks that Lisa Simpson is his girlfriend. And then Lisa tells him the truth lets him down and like it gets videotaped and Bart replays the video because if I slow it down, you can see the exact moment where his heart just rips out of his chest. And you could see that exact thing when Alexa Grasso tapped out Valentina Shevchenko, Jed's soul just left his body. And uh, yeah, it's tough, but what a compelling, a compelling study of, of the emotional spirit. No doubt about it. All right, Viking. Real quick, because we got to go. Got to get ready. We got BTL coming up. What's up, Viking? Good. I'm good, man. What's up? Mm, I'm good. Uh, I just want to talk about the... UFC recent recent UFC contract situations that the fighters can't go legal against them in a court or I don't know the judiciary. So have you heard about that and what's your opinion on that? Uh, thanks, man. Yeah, so that's a big talking point right now. Um let me just pull up because I know Bloody Elbow did a really good job putting this out there. So let me see what they were all. Uh, we had Sunset Claws. Da, 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 da. So there's arbitration periods now. Look, I just. It's tough because I'm not a fighter and I don't know like what they're looking for in certain things and there's different bylaws and there's different new addendums to these contracts. Like now we have a longer sunset clause. We have just a whole bunch of different stuff, but it's up to the, it is really up to the managers to, to figure this all out. Like that's why they're there. And, and again, this all goes back to the whole fighter association thing. And I know that I come on the show and I don't think Dana White is the greatest person of all time. He's done some awful shit. Uh, but I don't – I'm not one of those people that is like just shitting on Dana because of this whole fighter pay thing. Okay, I don't blame him that much for this. I blame the fighters for this because they had multiple opportunities to come together – and make a change, and they didn't do it. Now, do fighters deserve more money? Yeah, they do. Just like every person in this room probably deserves more money. But that's it. Look, when we... This is all public, so I can speak upon it. When our Vox Media union contracts are coming up, 
we were ready to walk away. We were as a collective, even though it was a scary goddamn thing to be like uh, in a position where you potentially could not get a paycheck for a while during a strike. We were all willing to walk away until we found a happy medium between us and the company. We're all ready to do that. I'm not saying anything out of turn because you all saw it. It's everywhere. And at the end, we came into an agreement before the strike could happen, and we were all good. But we were willing to step aside and walk away to get what we felt we deserved. We were willing to do that as a collective union, as a unit. Fighters had the chance to do that when the company sold for four point four something billion dollars. Didn't do it. Had the chance to do it when the Reebok deal came along. Didn't do it. Had the chance to do it when the ESPN deal was signed. Didn't do it. Why? Why? And now you have all these different contracts. What do you expect the UFC to do? Like, they're just letting them do it. They're just letting the, the company do this. They had the chance. They didn't do it. So, I mean, it's, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me. It sucks. It sucks, but Joe Lozon talked about this all the time. I've been talking to Joe Lozon about fighter unions and associations for like six years now, and his stance has never changed on it, and he gets shit on for it, but he's right. It's never going to happen. But as long as I am breathing air, I don't think we're going to get an association. I don't think we're going to get a union. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think all of these people are going to come together collectively and threaten to walk away. Either pay us more or we're out. They won't do it. And I get it. Trust me, when the strike was coming, I was scared to death. I, was, I had to have conversations with my wife and be like, this might happen, so we need to prepare ourselves for it. And it was, it was a pretty uh, stressful time. But in the end... All worked out. But there hasn't even really... There's been like feeble attempts at putting together an association. And it just didn't happen. Because people are worried and they're scared. And I get that. But you're never going to get change until you take that next step. You have 500, 600 fighters in the roster. You have 40-something cards you have to fill every year contractually to ESPN. If there's no fighters to fill those cards, what do you think the UFC is going to do? You think it's going to let everybody walk away? I don't think so. They will figure out a way to make it work, get a bigger piece of the pie, bigger piece of the sponsorships, bigger piece of the TV deal. This could all happen if everybody comes together and does it. There would, you could talk about language of the contracts that we just found out. You can do all these things. You can make all of these changes, but you have to do it together. And you need spearheads to do it. Francis would have been a great one. Adesanya would have been a great one. Usman would have been a great one. When they were all champions, all of them all together, that would have been a great time to organize something. You'd have three, four notable champions willing to put, put all the stuff aside and get everybody united as one. It was there. It's been there many times. It just hasn't been done. So this is going to keep happening, folks. Contracts are going to be re-updated. 
We're going to keep having the fight or pay conversation. And everybody wants to shit on Dana about it and shit on the UFC about it. And if that's how you want to do it, that's fine. But I don't share that sentiment. I don't. I, I, I'd love to see the fighters get paid more. They deserve it, no doubt about it. But chances were had and it wasn't done. And now it's going to be a long time in my eyes before anybody attempts to do it again. And I certainly don't think Jake Paul's going to be the guy to, to put this all together and make that change because he ain't going to be able to get 600 people on board to do it. It's got to be somebody in the organization to do it. It's got to be a big star. It's got to be a Connor or Jones or somebody like that that gets, these, that gets everybody together. And I just don't think people are willing to take the risk to do it. And that's why this is never going to change. And it sucks. But I'm not one of those people who blames Dane and the UFC for this because they have to run a business. And if they're allowed to run a business this way and they're making floppity jillion dollars every year and nobody's trying to invoke some change, there's only so much I can say. There's only so much you can say. There's only so many things that can be written. Only so many shows we can talk about this. But... At the end of the day, it's not our fight. Pun, I guess, completely intended, but it's not our fight. And that's really that. All right, I got to go. Uh, New York Rick and Jed Mishu are going to join us on BTL today. I will tell you this. Uh, Casey is on vacation for the next several days, so I have to like kind of produce this show. So it's going to be uh, not as... Bells and whistly today, but it is going to go down 1230 Eastern. Jed, New York Rick, reacting to 285, all the ins and outs. Uh, great debates coming out of it. And we'll talk about the, this weekend's cards as well. Uh, Bellator 293, which is a good one. UFC Las Vegas, pretty solid card. Uh, so we'll see you in about an hour and 15 minutes. Thank you very much. We'll be back here tomorrow, free for all Friday, getting you ready for those two cards as well. And I'll take your questions about anything and everything from start to finish so zeke i know you're left on deck uh once you jump in tomorrow you will bump to the front of the line so thank you all very much appreciate you have a great rest of your day and as always have a heck of a morning everybody Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 